us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Welcome to our show on Wednesday, March the 25th, 2015. Uh, welcome to everyone who will be listening to this call uh, from the recordings. We have a fascinating topic to discuss today that I know very little about. Uh, we're going to talk about fashion industry and not about whether you should be wearing the summer colors or the fall colors, what's the latest trend, or about the correct accessories. We're going to talk about our decisions as consumers and how it affects the environment and economies all over the world. From only a few minutes that I spent speaking with our guest, I know that we're going to learn a lot on this show. Um, I think that it will change the way that we make purchasing uh, decisions. Socially conscious people make their decisions mindfully, whether for a purchase, their financial plan, their retirement plan, their philanthropic giving, or their plan to leave a legacy. Have you ever wondered just what fashion has to do with the environment and if it has any global impact? Or have you thought about your impact on the earth and thought that there was nothing that you could do about it because you're just such a small piece in a large puzzle? We all wear clothing, and whether we consciously participate in the world of fashion or believe that we want no part of it, we all have an impact every time we purchase a piece of clothing, wash it, and ultimately dispose of it. This is a conversation on the options we have, the choices we make daily that affect our community, our country, and our planet every time we choose to get dressed. Our guest, Pamela Diator, has a degree from Ryerson University in fashion arts and apparel management. She's been involved in the fashion industry for over 30 years and has experience in the areas of product development, buying, importing, quality control, fashion forecasting, TV sales, journalism, and education. Pamela has the great pleasure of working in the field of education for over 15 years, teaching students at the college level in the fields of fashion, home decor, intimate apparel, fabric and textiles, interior decorating, visual merchandising, and ethics and sustainability in the textile industry. Pamela has always had a passion for the world of fashion and for decades has been interested in its impact on the individual consumer, their community, and the environment. Pamela is a wife and mother of two young men and passionately believes that anything we can do today to safeguard tomorrow must be done and done quickly. Pamela is an optimist about the future of fashion and knows that when good people are given good information, they make good decisions. Welcome, Pamela. Hello, Lynn. It's a pleasure to be here. That's wonderful. We're very pleased to have you with us today. Thank so. You. When you say that when good people are given good information, we'll make good decisions, are we being given good information? 
Um, you know what? That's a. Uh, I think that we have the opportunity to have um, clear information delivered to us. I think that a lot of people don't seek it out because they they honestly do believe that they um, they, they they can't have an impact or make a change um, for mm-hmm. the better, especially in the fashion industry because. We all we we think of fashion as being somewhat uh, of an industry that is beyond our control now. That we just simply we're told what we should wear. We go out and we mm-hmm. purchase it, and we follow the trends that are being dictated to us. And I believe that um, as 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 I said, like if good people want to know that there's information out there. And I find that through educating my students that they are they embrace this information and they truly want to make a change and that they're 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 as passionate about it as I am in many cases. Mm, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry. When Go I ahead. walk no, that's great. Um when I walk through the mall, or when mm-hmm. many of us do maybe think that we get a sense of the fashion industry but um you know just just from the the introduction to the show you know i get the sense that there's a lot more going on can you tell us a bit more <laughs> about <laughs> about the scope of what's happening I would. I'd gladly tell you. When you walk through the mall, what we oftentimes see now is that the the scope of what you're looking at is basically um, these are these are, a lot of it is chain store driven. So there are a few major companies that own a great deal of the fashion market, and what they put out there at retail level or 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 more chain store level. Though it is, it, it oftentimes can be beautiful and it can be um, it can be really well made. It also has a part of it is that it's just it's it in a lot of cases it's mass production, and with mass production, um, I'm, I'm generalizing now, but with mass production, mm-hmm. the easiest method for which a company can anu- actually manufacture is to to manufacture thousands and thousands of units of the same thing. They don't specialize in, you know, in tailoring to certain shapes or body types or, or you know, specific colors for um, for your particular um, skin color and, and eye color. Mm, so they mass right. produce. And so that means that a lot of what the production that happens is, is very um, is large, but it's also very quick. What a lot of people, when you walk through the malls and you see what's happening at retail level, what you, you may not understand is that in many cases we can actually totally replace or replenish what's in the store within four weeks. So any item that's there at the beginning of the month won't be there at the end of the month or will be marked down and new items will replace it. And that means that fashion cycles move extremely fast now and we're we are under the impression that when new items come in, that means that what I have in my closet must be old, out of style <laughs> or out of fashion and that I have to replace it. Yeah, so it's the cycle is very quick and when and 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 we will never I'm not going to say never. It is unlikely that we will change um retailing as it as it stands today, but we need to look at other options um you know, so smaller things like boutique shopping, um, uh, local designers, uh, people who live in your community who are craftspeople that can um, embellish, tailors, seamstresses that can take an item and 
and and and create an item that you love to wear because one of my one of the beliefs um in sustainable design is that if you buy something you love you will wear it forever and um and that's a perfect example when when you have something that's created for you and it fits you perfectly you feel like a million dollars in it and you get compliments and get accolades. People tell you you actually look really good today. And you realize that it has a lot to do with what you're wearing because you carry it with such confidence. So we need to we need to love our clothes, the clothes that we're wearing, because that way we feel better about ourselves. So yeah. Okay. And yeah. So is is part of it um, perhaps spending a little more on that item, but with the intention that I'm not going to replace my wardrobe every year. Mm. Well, yes, there's um, there's that to it. There's um, there's there's uh, a couple schools of thought here where if it's a what I want to call fast fashion, an item that you simply are going to wear, and it's considered um, it's considered just for a season. Let's say you've picked up a, a cute little t-shirt and it's just going to be something that you're going to wear over the holiday season. You know you're going to get four weeks of wear out of it. You're going to wear it to death and then come the end of the holiday season you'll put it away and you probably won't put it out for another year if at all. In that case then what we should be buying is something that has very little um, impact meaning that the t-shirt, it's a decorative t-shirt that it has, you know, it's been made with the least amount of impact as far as the fibers that are in the shirt, um, the dyes that are used to dyeing it, and then ultimately when it gets recycled or or thrown away in the garbage, which a lot of our clothing ends up in, um, it, it will decompose quickly. Whereas the other the other side is that if I'm buying a I don't know a winter coat and I'm planning on wearing it for the next ten years because it's a it's a really it's a traditional style it looks great on me it's in an, it's in a pretty conservative color in that case then I should be investing in a in a timeless piece made out of high quality wool or high quality camel or whatever the hair is or 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 fiber that we can afford with the best linings and and knowing full well that it's going to be in my closet for a long, long time, in that case, then there should be, um, then we should be paying for the craftsmanship of it and knowing that it will last us a long, long time. Most of the clothes okay. people buy to, today will be discarded. When you talked about that first piece of, um, that first piece, the, the T-shirt. The, the fast fashion. And, and the impact um, mm -hmm. How can we possibly know what kind of an impact that T-shirt had on the environment? That is very hard for any basic customer to really um, know at retail level. It is mm -hmm. about asking when they go into the store. Unfortunately, when you look at a let's say a t-shirt that's hanging on a rack you can look at the label inside which will tell you the content and oftentimes it will tell you let's say it's made out of a hundred percent cotton what mm -hmm. customers think a lot of the time is that a natural fiber cotton hemp jute wool um, comes from nature would be better than a man-made fiber or a synthetic fiber mm -hmm. um, and and that, I also have to say, is not always necessarily the case. Sometimes a synthetic fiber, like a polyester yarn, might be better for a 
for a windbreaker rather than a cotton mm. because cotton right. would absorb water. So whatever the end use is for that item, you need to look. But if you're looking at the labels, you can notice that, oh, if this is a cotton T-shirt, we assume that it's better than a, a synthetic-made yarn. But what a lot of customers also don't understand is that I want to call it traditional cotton. The method by which we actually produce cotton today on the planet, much they, the traditional cotton is sprayed with a great deal of um, pesticides and insecticides. In fact, they believe, and, and some of the statistics show, that we have about 35% of all global pesticides and insecticides are spray, sprayed on cotton, which means that when we make a traditional cotton T-shirt, out of cotton from the fields, it will be dyed with chemicals. It will be um, put on your body. And so when we wear that, those chemicals are part and parcel of the yarns that are against our skin, which is the largest organ on our bodies. And mm -hmm. what customers need to understand is that when they're buying cotton, they are buying, um, they are buying, it, 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 it is, um, it is natural, but that we have the option of what's called organic cotton. And organic cotton would mean that we don't spray it with herbicides and or synthetic herbicides and, and insecticides. So, pardon me, pesticides and herbicides. And that those aren't applied to the yarns at field level. So that by the time mm -hmm. that they get to the customer, they have even fewer toxic chemicals on them. When okay. customers walk into a store, if they want to know whether or not the, the item that they're buying is a sustainable item, they should be um, addressing the sales staff. If the sales staff is not aware of it, they will take those questions and concerns on to their manager, ultimately the area manager, and finally to the buying team, who in turn will take those questions and then address their makers and ask for organic cotton, for example. Mm-hmm. And I would think that the more they're asked, the more likely they're to take notice of this kind of thing too. Oh, right? If the consumer absolutely. doesn't care, then the the sales uh, manager is not going to care, right? Absolutely. And 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 I have I've been a buyer for for years as well, and and we it, that's exactly it. When my sales staff said customers want this, I listened. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you know that uh, it's time for us to go for a break already? We're just kind of getting into it. Uh, oh. But we'll be right back to this subject after this break. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S., 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. 
or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. We're back. Uh, today my guest is Pamela Diator. Um, today we're going to talk about ethical, sustainable, and organic clothing, things that I have never given a lot of um, a lot of thought too. Um, so we're talking about the fashion industry and how our choices um, impact our world. So, Pamela, can you tell us, you know, what is this idea of ethical clothing, sustainable clothing? Um, tell us a bit more about our subject. Certainly. Um, when we talk about um, uh, we have different sort of categories by which clothing can um, can be um, described, and when somebody mm-hmm. says that they're talking about a sustainable product, typically what we're talking about it means that it is a usually a plant that is um, something that sustains itself in its own environment. So that, um, for example, bamboo is oftentimes called a sustainable um, plant. And it's a plant that will regenerate itself, meaning that the root base will just simply um, um, grow underground and pop out again. It doesn't have to be reseeded season after season after season. And um, so a sustainable product is something that, uh, also will survive in its wherever it's been planted or grown grows naturally on the uh, the the rainfall so it doesn't require irrigation um, the adequate amount of sunlight within the region that it's growing as well then we have um, the category which we oftentimes call organic and organic is is the word that we use meaning that it isn't sprayed um, with uh, synthetic um, pesticides to kill pests or herbicides to kill weeds or insecticides to kill insects and that um, if any of those are used that they are are naturally occurring so we have other methods by which we can use natural um, fertilizers as opposed to synthetic fertilizers to grow plants so it means that the plant itself has not had any of these synthetic um, sprays applied to it and in which case, you can have organic cotton. Again, I keep going back to organic cotton, but you can have organic cotton, meaning that it hasn't had any of these applied to it. Yet, cotton um, is a plant that requires a, a great deal of water. So organic cotton uh, struggles oftentimes to actually grow in certain regions of the world because it, it, there's not an adequate amount of waterfall. So organic right. cotton does actually grow in certain areas, but not in all, because it just it's five times as thirsty as a hemp plant, for example. It will, whether hmm. it's organic cotton or traditional cotton, it will actually drink more water, five times more water, and that's why we love cotton, um, even when it's been processed into after it's it's dead, it's a, a towel or a dishcloth. It's because it is hugely absorbent. Yeah, so we have categories, we have synthetic, and when we talk about ethical, ethical, um, when somebody says something is is ethical, they're usually discussing in the fashion industry, I mean, we've looked at the way in which the people have been treated, not necessarily Mm -hmm. 
that it has not been sprayed with um, with uh, pesticides, herbicides, but that the people within the chain have been properly protected because, as I've said, traditional cotton requires a great deal of um, chemical intervention to grow that we ensure that the people who are working in the fields have proper coverage, um, you know, ventilation masks, gloves, so when they are spraying that they aren't inhaling these, these chemicals into the their lungs as well, because oftentimes these are highly um, carcinogenic, so it can actually poison mm-hmm. people to death. Yeah, so we have to be careful. Because when I when I have seen um, organic before, I mm-hmm. have thought, well, um, as the as the user, um, you know, some people are very uh, sensitive to those chemicals. Such that mm-hmm. you know they can only wear uh, clothes that that don't haven't been in contact with the chemicals and don't contain mm-hmm. the chemicals. You know, so that would have been my first thought. But here, really, we're talking about the environment, and we're talking about all the people that have had to handle that all the way through. Yes, yes, and that's that's the the other part of it. We as customers and consumers oftentimes will um, uh, have this conversation that you and I are having right now. The fact that there are chemicals applied at at field level. There's chemicals applied when we we dye them because chemicals are required to make the, the dye actually um, adhere to the fibers themselves. And then there's chemicals oftentimes applied as a finish on the fabrics and all of these are not good for the earth and they're not good for for wheat for the the purchaser the customer themselves but and mm-hmm. it is an impact it's a global impact but it's it's um customers need to also understand that once we look at all of these steps there's also once those products have ended up in their hands we need to look at the other end of it which is where most of the impact actually occurs and that's at the the laundering um cycle, washing and drying it, where uh, okay. a great deal of the energy is actually um, utilized. We we know very well that um, once it's, as a buyer, when we purchase goods and when we design goods and when we put the labels on it, it's just for, for ease, we oftentimes will say, you know, machine wash warm and tumble dry high or tumble dry warm. When in fact, Mm -hmm. what we should be saying to customers on the label is machine wash cold and hang to dry. If we decrease the temperature of washing, uh, even from, you know, 60 uh, 60 to 50 um, degrees, we we will save 10% of the energy um, uh, in the in the life cycle of that particular T-shirt, and if we hang it to dry as opposed to tumble drying it, we save almost 66% of the energy. So it's it's um, it's it's important that customers know about you know uh, organic and the chemicals that are applied um, at field level, but they also need to understand that once it's in their hands that they they need to, to if they want to have a, a, a better impact, they need to watch, watch how they're washing and drying their own clothing and um, and ultimately disposing of it, um, which is also a and and, a, and I would think that most people just think about the, you know, if we think about the energy at all that we're using mm-hmm. when we launder, we're thinking mm-hmm. of that purely as the number that appears on our hydro bill. Yes. We're not 
you know, we're not thinking of, like, to me, it's a very different concept for me to look at a pair of jeans and say, okay, you know, the energy that I'm, that I'm taking to, to wash that is significant. Exactly. I'm sorry, I was going to say jeans in particular. That is, with jeans, it's funny you should mention that. That is, if you don't dry your jeans, 66% of all the energy that is ever um, utilized to produce those jeans, move the cotton from the field to the factory, out of its entire life cycle, 66% of that energy is actually um, absorbed or utilized in the drying process of a pair of jeans. Wow. It's amazing because we also, as a society, um, have an obsession with cleanliness, which um, is a conversation that is oftentimes awkward or, or people feel embarrassed. But mm-hmm. um, we, when we think about it, we have to really, you know, we oftentimes at the end of a day will take off a pair of jeans and throw them in the laundry. And, and one of the conversations I, I like to have with, with my students is the fact that Odds are they probably showered in the morning, they got into a clean car or bus, came and sat at a clean college, got home in, into a clean car, went home to a clean house. Really, the, the, the dirt that is on their pants is minimal, if anything at all. It's not as if they went to the coal mines and were working all day, right? So we, as a society, have an obsession with cleanliness, and we want our clothes impeccably clean all the time. And we need to understand that sometimes um, we have to think twice. We have to go, oh, I've just worn those pants once. I'm folding them up, and I'm putting them back in the closet. I can wear them again. Mhm. Mhm. Um <laughs> well, you know, it's when when you when you think years ago when when we didn't have access to water and, you know, and people had a shower once a week. Mhm. You know, you know, we have, you know, and now and now if we didn't have a shower today, we're thinking I didn't have a shower yes, today. We have, you and know, we and, and it's partly because, you know, water is easily accessible and this hydro that we're using for the laundering is easy, easily accessible to us. Um, yeah. It's very easy to throw those jeans in the wash. And that's, so it's funny because you're saying when we used to work years ago in, <clears throat> excuse me, and we would, we would, you know, bathe once a week. This is also part and parcel of our, our disposable mentality about clothing. Prior to the Industrial Revolution, when we actually had to hand loom, hand weave our own textiles, it was very time consuming. Textiles were worth more than our, ma- our labor. Our labor was inexpensive, and textiles were highly expensive. So it wasn't uncommon for a father to bequeath his suit to his son after his death. Oh wow! Or when a woman got married, you would get uh, you would get your a bed you would get bed sheets or towels because these were expensive items. Now we can make right. thousands of meters of fabric per minute, and so what has happened is that the speed at which we've made textiles now makes them disposable because we can replace them so easily. If textiles were not as um, as not as as available, were not as easy to obtain, we would not be throwing out the quantity of textiles that we do today. I mean, globally, it's a, it is um, 
the the number is about 95% of all textiles on the planet, and that includes carpeting and, and car stuffing and, you know, chair upholstery, but all clothing globally or textiles globally goes to landfill or a dump site. 85% mm-hmm. is what we speculate occurs in Canada alone. That means we throw away 85% of all the textiles into landfill. It's it's heartbreaking, mm-hmm. and we can we can change that. That is all about making choices on where we actually take our textiles when we're done, and do we take them to a secondhand mm-hmm. store? Do we do we take them to do we throw them into the garbage? We have to make choices. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and I think we're we're going to take this moment to break and go to our next break, and um, we want to talk about those choices when we come back. a contribution that you dream of making. In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Len focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. to our show today. Uh, my guest is Pamela Diator, and we've been hearing about the fashion industry and how the choices that we make um, are affecting, um, affect our environment uh, and certainly uh, even the choices we make in how we care for our clothes and uh, how we get dressed. All of these things make a huge impact. Pamela, when we talked um, a couple of weeks ago, you were telling me about the number of pairs of jeans that most people own, um, and I found Mm -hmm. that very fascinating. So I wondered if you'd tell us about that, too. Well, my research, as far as I can tell, it looks like um, uh, many sources uh, are indicating that on average, so global population, that we own approximately seven pairs of jeans per person on the planet, which means that... Um, I know full well that I own more than seven pairs. I, I own more than seven pairs of jeans in my closet alone, and that there are mm-hmm. people on parts of the world that own absolutely none. Which means that we, um, we as a society, we, we, um, I, I want to say it's, a, it's um, almost a hoarding mentality that we want to have. A, a great deal of product, great deal of items, and and this 
this stands for anything mm-hmm. from cars to you know fridges that we just we 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 want to possess, we want to own, and we want to collect. And as a developed nation, we have the means by which to do that. But it also means that we are, again, we are hoarding resources. So when I have, you know, um, dozens of pairs of jeans in my closet, I can never, ever wear all of those jeans. And in a given week, I will never go through even a fraction of them. So I have, in reality, Mm -hmm. taken all that intrinsic energy for growing the cotton, shipping the cotton to a factory, dyeing it, twisting it into yarns, weaving it into jeans, cutting it into pants, and then shipping it to a store. All of that for all those jeans that I probably will never touch or wear are all being hoarded in my wardrobe. So it's um, so this is, to me, that is a fascinating sort of um, uh a conversation because we we have the means by which to buy and we do and as we were saying before break Lynn that we also have it's the sea at which I can actually gain textiles or gain clothing there's nothing there to make me double check or question whether or not I should have it because we also mm-hmm. have this incredible opportunity where we can discard our clothes without feeling guilty now. We we have secondhand stores, we have um, consignment stores where we can actually just say, oh, I'm done with this, you may have it. And we can feel very good about donating our, our, our discarded clothing to um, charities. And right. in fact, that is a, we are doing, that is, that is a fantastic thing to do at this point and stage in time, but it doesn't really correct the um, sort of the underlining or the root problem as to why do we want so much and why do we want to possess yeah. so many things. You know, what what hole are we filling by by purchasing so much? And um, the quantity of clothing that goes to secondhand um, stores is is almost overwhelming, but uh, we. We do send, um, we do send, as I was saying, um, about in Canada, about 15 to 20 percent go to secondhand stores, whereas the remaining 80 to 85 percent end up in landfill, which is or or dump site, and um, which is a very, it's a bad thing because. Every time you take a T-shirt and you don't want it anymore and you just simply throw it into the garbage and it goes to the landfill, what we need to understand is that you are now going out and replacing that probably with another T-shirt. The earth has to grow and grow more cotton and it has to go through the whole entire cycle again. Whereby which, if you were to take that T-shirt and you were to send it to a second-hand store or give it to a friend it would be utilized exactly as it is. We don't need to regrow the cotton. We don't need to reformulate the dyes. We don't need to transfer those goods to the store. We've bypassed all that energy usage and gone, what I want to say is, is like for like item from one hand to another. And that is one of, of the ways in which we need to look at uh, sustainable um, fashion and that buying secondhand clothing and encouraging the reuse or the reuse of the items that we have is actually a real mm-hmm. benefit 
to the earth rather than a people people are always like well no one wants it oh it's my old cast offs or hand me downs and i can tell you that you know um vintage pieces we have vintage clothing that is being sold on the market that is fetching hundreds mm-hmm. of dollars vintage denims levis um leather designer bags and shoes these are markets that are growing exponentially because people understand the quality of the yarns that were the cotton that was able to be grown 40 and 50 years ago and and the quality in which mm-hmm. the stitching is being done so we need to understand right. that by putting those products back in it's a good thing mhm mhm so, and i would think we, that there's we, you know a, a bit of creativity too um when you can remake a you know remake a, a piece of clothing um, to fit or or change, you know, mm-hmm. so you had two rows of, of buttons on your jacket and now, or I guess you'd have to go the other way around. I guess you can. <laughs> but, you know, you can, you can change the look of something by changing the buttons or, you know, um, yes. things that, um, yeah. And, and so that's exactly it. Work. I mean, we also, call, oftentimes that's called upcycling in the industry. It means that I've taken a coat and I, um, we actually have, we have designers that will, will do this. They'll take a jacket, take the sleeves off and turn it into a vest. Or uh, many designers oh. will take old blankets and they'll cut them into cushions for your, for your couch. Mm-hmm. Um, we will take we will take denim, and oftentimes denim can be uh, reutilized and um, braided and or or made into rag um, rugs for the floor, um, purses and bags. Right. These are all things that uh, the upcycling needs to be to be used again over and over and over again. As, um, uh, you know, we we as Canadians we ship. I, you know, only about nine kilos of uh, our clothing annually, any single person, to a second-hand store. Whereas in, in, in um, comparison, in Canada, we ship about 15 kilos to landfill, of which most of that clothing mm-hmm. is perfectly usable. And what people don't understand, or the, it's out of sight, out of mind. Once it hits the, the dump, they think that it's, it's, it's out of their it's no longer their problem. But in reality, we have, when you throw clothing into a landfill, um, it will leach um, into the groundwater. It um, creates, it releases, um, it releases um, methane. Uh, it, uh, there's different things that will actually be, are, vo- are volatile and they'll actually, um, uh, ammonia is released when we uh, throw wool into a dump site. And and wool is wow. a natural product, and mm-hmm. and because right. it's a it's a it wool is a hair, it's it's very it's, we consider it one of our higher it's a higher end fiber, so it's it's expensive. Mm-hmm. It's more expensive than many other fibers. It makes no sense. Wool is a hair. It can be bleached. It can be combed out, and it can be reused over and over and over again. Mm. So it makes no sense really? for us to throw it away. Yes, but people because of mm-hmm. the cost. And the pricing has come down because we produce it so quickly. People don't understand its true value. Just because an item is $10, a T-shirt is $10, it doesn't mean that it has 
you know, it's it has taken the the earth any less time to grow that cotton or any less time to, you know, dye the product or sow it. It's just that we've put pressure on everybody below in this chain of command to actually perform their duties faster so that we can get a T-shirt to retail for $10. And one argument that I I like to express to to anybody considering purchasing an item is that I, I want them to Think of this, if they buy a $10 t-shirt and it's, I don't know, and it's a a black t-shirt, it's going to be basic t-shirt in your closet, and you have to replace it every three months because it the dye has come out and it's 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 turning gray or there's pilling pilling are those tiny little dots on the front of your t-shirt that occur and that's because the end of the yarns are sticking out and they collect the fuzz and the stitching skews so the side seams turn or twist on the body Every three months you have to buy a new t-shirt. It means that in the course of a year, you spend $40 on a t-shirt, right? You've gotten four t-shirts at $10. You spent $40. Or you could buy one $40 t-shirt at the beginning of the year, black, and it will last you the whole year. And people are like, well, but at least I've got a t-shirt. Yes, you've had a t-shirt on your back for the full year, but what you need to understand is that those four $10 t-shirts, are four times the cotton, four times the pesticides, four times the dye, four times the transportation. There is more to it than just the cost of the item. We have to look at, right. you know, how much, how much of these, what are the sources inside of this product, and how many times am I asking the earth to provide that for me? Right. Lots, lots to think about. Even, even the that one little term upcycling. I think of, um, you know, when my mother would would use fabric from one thing to make another thing, and, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was. It, but it would have at that time it would have been done purely on a budget conscious. You know, it would be mm-hmm. been purely budget consciousness. Um, yeah. Not, you know, not thinking about um, all of what went into creating that, um, mm-hmm. creating that thing. Um, and your and, and um, others may have stayed at home. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, and our mothers stayed at home. Whereas today, the manufacturing process is out of sight, out of mind. It's on the other side of the the world now. A lot of production, so we don't even know the people who make these goods for us. They, um, it, it's uh, as I as we talked about, it's out, it's outside of um, our our view. It's outside of what we see. So. This also brings us to the the um, when you love what you've made. Like if your mom made you a quilt or your mom knit you socks, you would wear those with love because you know they were made with love. And unfortunately, we don't have the faces of the makers now in front of us, so we have no real commitment to the garment. We have no emotional connection. There are actually designers out there now who are asking people when they purchase their clothes, they've had a little cloth tag on the inside and they ask that the people who buy it actually sign it as a contract between the designer and the purchaser mm-hmm. so that the so that the customer has an emotional connection to that dress or to that shirt because we've it harder to throw out a garment that says you know handmade by grandma 
or a pair mm-hmm. of shorts like when you went to camp and they used to put your name in it. You know, here's here's your name yes. on the back of your shorts. Yep. If something has a personal name in it, a personal connection to a memory, we tend to hold, we hold we know we hold on to it for much much longer in our closets than an item mm-hmm. that just mm-hmm. simply has a company name on it. Yes. I I think that's very true. My my youngest daughter has been sewing and she's she's pretty much just taught herself um you know, I mm-hmm. I can sew, but I'm better, um, you know, making costumes or something. I'm, you know, I'm not very good at the details, so I can help her through some, you know, some, uh, you know, pattern layouts and and things like that. But she's she really has been designing her own stuff, and and it's <laughs> it's true. And she also has, you know, she will also purchase things and and remake them into something else. So, uh, and I would say that there certainly is that um, emotional connection to it that sense of accomplishment for her too that she's created mm-hmm. what she you know what mm-hmm. she's wearing too it is it is very very different so i have um oh. some wool blankets i have some wool blankets mm. that i was given uh when i mm. was married i don't use them anymore mm. uh i find them too warm on me and mm-hmm. um and you know, I don't like the the feel of those blankets. They're I feel find they're a bit yeah. itchy. What am I going to do with them? Yes. <laughs> well, with <laughs> because of the wool, wool is as as I was saying, it's a hair. It can be bleached and recolored, and you can actually take. I'm assuming that they're probably a, either a twin size. If you were to take them to a tailor or maybe a seamstress in your case, you could actually have them create a winter coat for you and recut them so that's mm-hmm. fully lined in a satin lining, and you would have a wool coat exterior, which is extremely warm. And yeah. the reason that they're so itchy, yeah, they're itchy on you is because wool has a, when you look at it under a microscope, it looks like it has a scale on it. And it's the scales on oh. the wool that are actually itchy against your skin. And um, I was actually going to also comment about daughter and about her um, actually making her own clothing, sometimes buying retail, but reworking. When she's buying an item and reworking it, she's making it fit her perfectly, which is um, mm-hmm. again, it 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 drapes and hangs on her body, and it makes she probably gets more compliments on items like that than something that she buys strictly off the rack. But we manufacture small, medium, large, or size eight, ten, twelve, according yeah. to um, the patterns that are, are are produced for that particular brand or name. But that's because it's easier. We we sell off the rack, and when something is I don't know, $25, it doesn't make sense to take it to a tailor and have it tailored to your body if it's going to cost you $40 to tailor. So again, right. we buy things oftentimes in the spur of the moment because we emotionally need that um, that that feeling of like, oh, I, I have some control in my life. And retail purchasing is one thing that we do to have an immediate gratification and immediate feeling of control in our world. So we we buy. And when we buy like that, we'll take it home. And oftentimes, items will be hanging in your closet. And I'm sure 90% of the listeners will will say yes to this. Tag still hanging on it a year after you've bought it. Mm-hmm. And it will go into a bag to the Value Village or to, you know, Bibles for Mission, <laughs> With the tag Goodwill, still on whomever. It. 
tags still on yeah. it, but for the moment it made us feel good. So, yes, you should take right. your wool blankets and you should have them rework cushions. You can make coats out of them. But the other thing is that because they are, they were, if you got them when you were married, the quality of the wool, the dyeing there probably would have been made in um, maybe uh, Canada, maybe England or Ireland. Mm. The quality of the wool is going to be very good, and you should probably use them as heirloom items and give them to your your children um, okay. in the future. Yeah. These are items that will definitely hold their worth um, for a long time to come. I know that, um, again, items that are passed down from generation to generation oftentimes will have a great deal of, of historical memory for us. We we become emotionally mm-hmm. connected to them. Yes. Yes. So... Um. So how do what what's the you know how can we impact this how can we change um you know we've pointed to a, a lot of questions a lot of um sort of challenges in the way that we do things um you know what's what's the best advice that you can give us to um to sort of change the direction that um that we may be going as consumers I think first thing would be that as of today, people need to look at their laundering practices. They need to, because that's the first thing, the clothes are already in our house, right? Wash them in cold mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. All detergents nowadays work really well in cold water wash. We don't need to have hot water wash. Um, none of our clothes are so filthy anymore that you know we need to agitate them for great deals of time, try and hang as much as possible to line dry. Also, um, mm-hmm. if if you um, can't line dry all the time, at least make sure that your spin cycle on your washing machine is working. Sucks out as much water as possible so that when we put it into the dryer, it doesn't need to be there as long. And that you'd separate when you're drying your polyesters from your cottons because cottons require more time in the dryer because they absorb more water, whereas polyesters, being a petroleum-based product, they don't absorb water. It just sits on the outside. And then when they go to um, dispose of their own clo- dispose of their clothing, they really need to be taking it to charity and allowing the charity shops to sell it for them. And if they if it's not able to be sold, at least the charity shops will send it for ragging and for stuffing, for carpet mm-hmm. backing, and so on. And Finally, when they do go shopping, they need to be looking for uh, labels that say organic cotton or that they're fair trade, meaning ethically made. And if they don't see those um, those logos, if they don't see that as an example, hang tags on the garments, they should be asking the sales staff, have you ever thought of bringing in, you know, an organic cotton or hemp or jute or linen and um, – they need to ask the questions, and then the then that will be transferred to the buyers, and the buyers will make um, uh, educated decisions as to what the customer what the customer's wants are at present day. If they don't ask, they don't know, and we need to we need mm-hmm. to start looking at um, purchasing and trying to support local um, small designers. If we don't. All business will move offshore, and then we will have no control over the style um, and the 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 method in which things are actually manufactured. 
So that right. those are the things that so I would short say of people need up to for really look at. Right. Um, and short of taking your course, <laughs> what where would you suggest people go to to learn more? Oh my goodness! How, um, that's how, how a, can we that's learn? A good question. I would. You know what? There are a lot of um, websites on the um, uh, on the internet right now that actually do um, uh, post it um, information for us. But um, okay. you can look up everything from. Um, uh, I was going to say. Let me think through this. Uh, you can look for. Google um, uh, organic certification. You can uh, look mm-hmm. up. Um, uh, I, I, there's some websites that I actually like. I like to go to the uh, www.pan-uk.org. Um, I like to. Um, uh, I look at. Um, uh, in 2009, natural fibers were actually, um, it was the International Year of Natural Fibers, and they have a, a great website called naturalfibers2009.org. Um, you can, oh, I'm, um, there's the Me to We program, anything okay. that's through David Suzuki, all okay. fantastic information. Okay. So just that Googling is a is a good way to find out more information. But yes, the uh, our has just blown clean clothes campaign. I'm cool. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, that's all fantastic. All There's so many of, options. Yeah. Yeah. Um our hour has just flown by um I think that we have just scratched the surface but it's been wonderful. Uh I have really learned a lot from you today Pamela. Thanks so much for joining us. It was my pleasure, Lynn. Any time. Uh, Thank you. Okay, because we may we may have to learn more more one day, uh, for sure. So Absolutely. we'll plan that to, to talk again, for sure. Um, so at this time, sure. I'd like to remind you to tune in next week. Uh, I'll be here, and uh, we'll have another great show. Uh, remember, I welcome your comments at StepRight with Lynn. Uh, I'd love to chat with you. Send me an email, lynn at stepright.ca. This is Lynn Wedham, and so is StepRight with Lynn. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and the greater community. Thank you for choosing to listen to StepRight with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time.